Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, this is Talking Tactics Podcast. My name's Daniel. It's a boy, Double H. Welcome back to the numbered episodes. This is episode 296. So we're getting, oh, we're getting, we're getting, wow. we're getting for, close to 300. We're away from three dizzy. Three now, dizzy. I, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but the first 100 episodes looked one way. The next 100 episodes looked one way. So I need to go to Photoshop and figure out a way oh, for yeah, the yeah, next yeah, yeah. 100 episodes to look. But um, yeah, so we're, we're, we're approaching that. Shout out to everybody who's come with us this year, whether it's from the World Cup, whether it's from the World Cup in 2018. You know, we've been doing this for a while. So just shout out to everybody who listens and uh, all, all the listens are much appreciated. Half of where can people find you before we get going? Um, either on the streets or half of footballhot.com. Indeed, that link will be in the description. You can find me on Twitter. Increasingly, you can find me on my Substack. It's offtarget.substack.com. I wrote a piece this week about Pele. Then I think it's pretty good. So check that out. Link to that will be in the description. Carl is probably covering Manchester United somewhere. So yeah, you can you, have you yeah, you can't seen the visuals of him. I think there's like an athletic podcast. Mm-hmm. The yeah, he, he's been there with Talk the of the Devils. Podcast. Talk of the Devils is the yeah, biggest yeah, yeah. Manchester United podcast in the world, probably. Oh shit. Oh. Yeah. I think the one that used to be the biggest, if I'm not mistaken, was Paul's the rant cast. And then the athletic hit with all their podcasts. But in in any event, um, links all of that are, are in the description. So we can get going. Do you want to start with like news or do you want to start with football? Let's let's go with news. Okay. I'm, I'm intrigued by, by what you mean by, by, by news. <laughs> no, no, news, news news is two things. It's the unfortunate passing mm. of Pele and the signing by Al Nasser of a certain <laughs> of a certain number seven. Oh no 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 no! We we've got to start with Pele. Let's start. We've got to start with. All right. Pele. So let's 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 start with Pele. So it's sad, but it was kind of expected mm. based on like the, the there was news that came during the World Cup that Pele was in hospital, the Albert Einstein Hospital. I'd love to know the origin of that name. It was kind of looking like he's going that way. There's somebody I follow who's like a big Santos fan. And maybe a week before Pele passed or a few days, they had set up this tent in the middle of the Santos Stadium. And they were thinking, well, no, this must be it. In the sense of like they're setting up this tent because it's going to host something to do with with Pele's passing. And unfortunately, that was proven correct. Um, born in 1940, he was 82 years old. Many cons- many before our time consider him to be the greatest. There's people who might say Maradona, like people like my dad who grew up. My- <laughs> I was like, because I-, <laughs> I felt my dad watching Pele videos like on his iPad. And mm. I was like, was he your guy or were you too young? And he was like, nah, he was too young. He was before my time. Like when I grew up, it was Maradona. So I was like, okay. Um, obviously now we have like the messy conversation, but Pele is for me, the foundational piece of what we see today. And um, yeah, it's, it's it, again, it's sad, but kind of expected. I mean, no, I think, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's so weird that when someone passes, you sort of look at them 
in like a much in like in a much more kind of legacy mm. more revelatory kind of lights and so forth because i always say for me i always felt a way about how that Maradona really didn't really get given his his flowers you know is that like, okay fine he took cocaine and drugs okay like everyone does so my thing is i always thought that yeah <laughs> everyone man, Okay, 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 not but okay, a few people did. Okay, look, fine. He took drugs. So so you know, always cherish people when they're around. You know, cherish people when they're around. But I think with Pele gone, it just made you it forced you to reflect. Mm. Because I was because again, look, I'm now constantly getting barraged and attacked by make Mr. Goats, make Mr. Goats, Mr. Goat, blah blah. I'm like, okay, just chill. <laughs> but when you just reflect on this, because I've always said that look, my personal goat is Maradona. And for the footage I've seen of, of Pele, I think Maradona was better. But when you just, the fact that he's just passed, I'm like, well, oh my God. This, he's, so, he's been such a constant in football forever. Mm-hmm. And this is what I always say to guys is that Pele is the Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan of football, you know. So whether you want to bring in Messi, you want to bring in Maradona, you want to bring in Zidane, you want to bring in R9. None of, and here's my thing, because this is what I actually expect him to, guys. Mar, let's say Mar, Maradona is my goat because he did more with less. Look at what he did with, I think, one of the worst teams to win the World Cup, which is the 86 Argentina team, and what he did with Napoli. Okay, in 10 years' time, someone can win with the World Cup with the worst team than Argentina and can win with Scorn Thorp. Okay, in 50 years' time, a player can win um, 15 Ballon d'Ors, eight Champions Leagues, um, three Concerto Trophies, and two World Cups. But nobody can ever be the first again, <laughs> you know. Like, mm. when you're the prime mover, that can never be re- replicated. So what Pele did can never be replicated again, as in he was the guy that popularized the World It's The World Cup is such a big deal because of Pele. So me as a young guy in Nigeria watching VHS tapes of the history of the World Cup and everything, the first image was, oh, this 17-year-old, who flicked the ball over one guy's head and they did a volley and so forth. So Pele has always been in concept of like, this is the guy that was the father of the World Cup. And the main contention is this, is that it's the, it's, it's, it's the role of the court. So we, so we did see Pele. The footage that we've seen wasn't really, does not really see the stuff that he's done. And the, apparently the best goal that, he's, that he scored was never caught on film. But just as you say the role of the court, if five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 people say, man, this guy's the most amazing player I've ever seen. Human logic will say that he probably did some crazy, remarkable, outstanding things. And again, it's it's the racial arguments is that you look at Elvis, Elvis Presley. You see, with Elvis, with see with, with music, you can try and use um different kinds of wizardry skills to try and make you think and bamboozle people to think, oh, you know, Elvis Presley was better than Chuck Berry and so forth, even though he actually stole his style from most black artists. But <laughs> football and sport is, is binary. Mm. And it's so X's and O's and it's so mathematical that 100%, there are white guys who, of course, still still view him as um, a black, blah, 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 N-word, 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 100%. But as as they're insulting him, they're like, man, this, this guy's amazing. I still hate him because he's black. I'll still insult him in private with my white friends. But man, that guy's that guy's good. <laughs> you know? So it's like, so while people want to be like, oh no, no, Messi was better. He was playing with with, with farmers. What was his back then? He, no one will ever be the prime mover. And football is what it is today because of him. So as much as I'll say my personal quote is Maradona. The objective answer is Pele because he is the reason why football is where it is to today right now. He started it all. Mm, <laughs> he he like, started the whole thing. So I have a lot of thoughts based on based on what you said. And I'll I, I don't want this to be like because we could make this a full Pele oh, oh, yeah, ep- episode. So I'll I'll, I'll try to read it. Yeah, because but... you know, that's what is for the extra. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um I have I have four points that I wrote though, maybe five. Um death makes people greater but death makes people who are already great seem greater and there's something about it like like what you said about um just the the process of coping or i don't know just what death does to to the people who are still living it's just like it it exalts you in, in a different level um and 
Pele is getting that now in, in, in terms of like if you go on the timeline or if you just look at just the parades and different things that are happening in Brazil, like it's the it's the pinnacle of, of, of his life. And in many ways, death is kind of like the peak of life, which is like some weird thing that I haven't really worked out in my mind yet. But he was already great while living. The, the idea that we people born in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, have frames of reference for who Pele was, what he meant, what he did. I was trying to write the piece that I wrote. And I was like, it, it almost feels too soon to, to talk about Pele because he just died like two, three days ago. Like, what, what can I really offer? But then I thought, I've been thinking about this man my whole life. I never saw him play live. His career ended, we'll say 1975-ish, like mm. 15, 20 years before I had consciousness. I've been thinking about him my whole life. So his greatness was already there and already known. It's not like <laughs> he had all of the flowers while he was still alive. Then now he's getting more in depth. Now, you say he's like Ali and Jordan. Mm. If we're talking about maybe exceptionality in your sport. No, 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 I'll, no, 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 popularizing it okay so, 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 so basically making it making it global people who don't know about basketball knew it's because of jordan people who didn't know about boxing knew because of ali so i i will give you like the transcended their sport argument yeah right because i the boxing was far was popular before ali basketball was popular like you know you have the bird magic era you have the eh, not the, globally, the, not globally. The, the Joe Lewis, Max Schmeling match. You have the, you know, the Jack Johnsons of the world and all those those tons of people. So, like, the sport existed before these people. But, like, in the terms of transcending the sport and taking it to that next level, those are the guys. So, I'll give you that. Um, something else I wrote about was, like, kind of the political nature of Pele. And Ali's greatness is not just what he did in the ring. It's what he did outside of the ring. Like he was willing to put himself in a position that few athletes. I, I can name. You can name uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. You can name maybe Colin Kaepernick if you want to put him in there. But like, there's very few athletes who are like the best at what they do, are politicized, and willing to speak about that politicization. Mm. Ali is separate in that category. And then if you look at Jordan, he's the Polar opposite. <laughs> he would. He won't touch. Republicans buy Nikes, man. Also, the buy he, shoes. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Republicans buy sneakers too. Um, he won't touch anything political with a barge pole unless he's forced. I remember the one time he did. He donated to like some black charities, like a million dollars, and then in the same press release, he gave a million dollars to the police. So <laughs> he's he's a split the baby kind of guy. Pele is in this middle ground of he came up in the military to. Not, he didn't come up, but like his career spans the Brazilian military dictatorship. And I've seen people be like, how come he didn't speak up against the military dictatorship? He's the most popular athlete in the most popular sport. Do you know what it would take for a footballer to come up against, uh, to speak out on behalf of black people or African people against a military dictatorship? Like that's what you wanted? And it goes back to this kind of like death cult martyrism that I think we have, where if a person doesn't die for you, like he can't be great. Like Muhammad Ali sacrificed his career. Cool. Y'all want Pele to just like speak up against the military dictatorship? Like that is so unrealistic. Just like, yo, I, I wish you guys would do more for black people. And then somehow he disappears or I don't know, he breaks his knee. Like you, you we have to put things in context of, what is a person capable and willing to do in particular moments? Ali is special in that way. And then once once people started kind of getting a little bit more against the military t- dictatorship in Brazil in the 80s, Pelé then put on a shirt. It said, like, you know, direct elections now, essentially. And he was willing to speak up to a point. Um, so he's like in that middle ground politically between Ali and Jordan. But I do think there are comparisons there in terms of transcending the sport. Um, and just lastly, and this kind of goes back to the football, so we can circle back around. Mm. Messi was able to watch Maradona. Maradona was able to watch Pele. Who was Pele able to watch? Joseph Baikan. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. 
No, no, Pele, it's, it's, no it's, 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 it's I know, I know, I got you, I got you. But Pele emerges in a time where the primary medium is not TV, it's radio. The the, the nineteen fifty World Cup but, uh, final between Brazil and Uruguay is still today the most watched in terms of people in the ground game that has ever happened. Two hundred thousand people watching Brazil against Uruguay and Americana. 200,000 people. The reason there were 200,000 people there is because in 1950, the only way you could watch that game was if you were in the ground itself. Like we're reaching a point, damn near all of the people who played or were in attendance are dead. Pele was born in 1940. That game was 1950. So he might've been nine or 10. So so we're saying like 10 year olds who watched that game are in their eighties now. The modes or, or the mediums in which people could consume the sport were com- purely audio. People were listening to it over the radio. You might read about the game in the newspaper. Pele, the way he played football, is completely unique in a sense of the only way you could watch Uruguay or their style of football is if you actually went to the ground and saw it. Yeah. The only way you could t- consume what English football looked like is if England came to you or if you went to England. The only way you could know what what does football look like on the continent, if we want to go to Egypt or South Africa, you have to go or they have to come. Because of the the technology at at hand, everything that Pele is doing when he emerges in 1957, leading up to the World Cup in 1958, is uniquely Brazilian and Afro-Brazilian, and then more directly like that area in Rio. Where, where he grew up. Like, I think he, wherever that Christ Redeemer, Christ the Redeemer statue is, oh, like yeah. he grew up in, in that area, that state. He's not, he doesn't have the benefit of watching previous greats and building inspiration. Like, obviously we were all kids and we used to watch the World Cup and I would see, you know, JJ Okocha do something or Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank do something and that, or Ronaldinho probably. And I'd go out in the garden, as you guys call it, the yard, and I'd try it out. Of course, I couldn't do it. Otherwise, I'd have been a professional footballer instead of somebody who just runs his mouth. But I got to see them do it. I was able to, okay, so this is how you do this. This is how you do that. Pele didn't have that. Everything that he's doing is coming from that cultural context of being Afro-Brazilian. And then whatever was in his brain that just made everything click together. And that, I think, is Pele's ultimate point. Is that what, what did he see in order to do or come up with the things that he did? Maradona was able to watch him. Messi was able to build upon them. Who was he watching except just people in the hood? It's, it's, like, no, and, and I think that's the and that is a point that I think people miss because people are like, oh, no, like it wasn't that good thing. It was better. Thing was better. But the whole point is you have context. Context is the most important word when you're actually having a debate, which a lot of these people don't don't really have. You have to realize, as you just said what the world was in the 60s and in the 50s and where football was. And I have to realize that when you have a 17-year-old doing what he was doing against grown men, that is what's great. So, so that is like, oh my gosh, like th- that, that is the definition of extraordinary, you know? And as you're saying, it's like, this is a guy who there is no, there was no superstar before him. There was no great superstar individual. So he was really the guy that was like, oh, so this is what it's mean. So this is what outstanding means for this paradigm of football mm. that, that that I was. So and also it's it's the idea that maybe people did it before Pele. Maybe maybe people were doing these tricks and dribbles and flicks and nutmegs and all these different types of things before Pele. Maybe, mm. but even if they were, he probably never saw them do it. He might have heard about it on the radio. He might have read about it in a newspaper. If that. But you have to think he emerges as a teenager. I, I, I very much doubt he ever watched a football match on TV. Because yeah, television... In, t- in the 50s? In the 50s. <laughs> Come on, man. No. So, like, the, the reason why Pele is the foundation is because of the medium that globalized the game, which is television. Like, the World Cup is such a big deal because that was the one of the first sporting events that was televised. I think the 1970 World Cup is one of the first television programs that was in color, mm. where people watched the game in color. Like if you saw what Ian Wright said about uh, oh yeah him and his brother what, yeah. what happened in 1970 he was like a seven year old uh, six seven probably like that's normally when our first World Cups happen six seven eight um, 
that inspiration, that legacy is all because of television. Pele is the primary point in football because we watch it. In his day, he didn't get that benefit. So the things that he's coming up with are, I, I think it's just, just genius in terms of what genius can be in football. And that, I think, is I've, if I've synthesized anything in my brain, is that concept of this man is dealing. He's, he's a man of his era who's inventing the future. And that shit is so crazy to me. And it's why he's the GOAT. I tend to think people are GOATs of their eras. But if you yeah. want to have the argument, like, no, 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 Pele is so much clear of everybody. You, you, just, basically, you can't, the whole thing, it's, it's a futile argument because every era is different. And right. every, every era has their own rules. So you now comparing Pele to Ronaldo or it's Maradona impossible. to Messi. There's, because my thing is, could Maradona cope in this era with advanced techniques and tactics? Could Messi and cope in the era where you could commit homicide and get a yellow card? So, <laughs> so like, seriously, like in 1966, we're like, okay, this black dude is very good. Let's just break his legs and foul him. <laughs> so you could do that in 66. They said, okay, since he's the best player, just just foul him <laughs> and just put him out of the World Cup. Just injure him. So can I just give you one more fun yeah. fact? Si, senor. The first time red and yellow cards were used in football mm. was 1970. Yeah. yeah. In the 1970 World Cup, that's the first time they started giving people yellow and red cards, which means Pele was 29 at the 1970 World Cup. He was going to turn yeah, yeah, 30. 29, 29, 29, yeah. The majority of his career was played where there was no sending offs. Mad. Actually, let me ask you this. And this is a key thing. And then we can end this here. Yeah. Because this now this is the key one that could that just ends it all. And you have to give me a reason, if you say yes or no. Do you give him 19, the 1962 World Cup? Do you count that? It's tricky. It's um, tricky, man. He played one game, like, one goal, one assist. He counts. But then, but then injured himself, taking a long shot. Like, I, I won't take the World Cup from him. Like, if he says, I've won three World Cups, I give him the three World Cups because he did, in fact, play. Mm -hmm. But if you ask me whose is that, it's not his. It's Garinch's. Mm. So, so okay, so so do you? Because for me, I've always said that Pele has two World Cups. He has three World Cup winners and medals. Right. That yeah. he can more proudly show because it's weird. I say he's got two World Cups, but he can legitimately show three World Cup winners and medals. Whereas that Ronaldo can't show me two. I, I can't recognize the two winners medals for Ronaldo or the two for for Kaka because Ronaldo, you didn't play in '94. Kaka, I don't even remember you playing in in '02. <laughs> but, but for Pele, it's one game, but he contributed. <laughs> he got, he, no, he scored. He contributed. So, and and the, the, the sadness of that one is... That was his the, peak. Exactly. 62, 66, those were his peak years. And they basically kicked him out of the competition. Well, well, well no, they kicked him out in 62. No, he injured himself. 66, they kicked, they kicked him out in 66. Yeah, it's like, was that the Portugal game? It was, there, so, was, yeah. there was one game against Portugal where they just basically had to carry him off. And the way they were carrying him off was just like, this is how y'all were doing medicine back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. stretches. <laughs> no, no, bro. Damn near a piggyback. This shit is crazy, Absolutely. That's bro. why don't, you can't compare errors. Because, bro, back then, stuff was wild. <laughs> no, no, basically, back then, basically, if you weren't tough, you couldn't survive. You like, you, yeah, you couldn't Players now it, are pampered. Like... A lot of players now, I don't know whether they'd cope back then. Well, like, no, if you're not tough, and you because Mar Maradona knew how to fight. If you were not tough, you were not surviving because there are guys who were out there to injure you. <laughs> you know what? So, I'm, I'm perhaps making a link that I haven't researched, but maybe the way that Pele and Garincha and those guys were kicked in the 60s, they had mm. to come up with a way of like, we need to do something, which, which means in the 70s, you get the protection. Now, whether or not it was applied in the right way, we can mm. see Maradona and see probably not. But as the game develops, then we get a little bit more protection. Even now, if you look at Hazard, Messi, Neymar, you would say maybe the refs need to do more. Yeah. But if, but even, even just think about this. The way Neymar and Hazard are treated in football today, I think is quite rough. And, mm. and maybe it's my own mind because I'm of this era, right? What was 60 years ago brutality feeling like? <laughs> like, God damn. So, yeah. I, I give him 58. I don't need to give him 58. He has it. I, 70 is more of a team effort, I would mm. say. Um, but he was the principal guy. And in 58, he was the young kid who was emerging. In mm. 70, he was the veteran who was the leader of the team. Um, 62, 
Like, you can claim it. And if you want to say I have three World Cups to bolster your legacy, Pelé, Edson, I'll give it to you. But really, it's Garinches because he was mm. there for the for the breadth of the competition. And, and apparently um, he has one leg shorter than the others, so that's Dodd. So, yeah. <laughs> like, in, in, in the technical aspect, Garincha looks like he's more of a modern footballer, like in the way that he dribbles and carries yeah, yeah. himself. But Pelé is he's the all-round head and left foot, right foot dribbles. Just I, his brain doesn't get enough credit for what it mm. was able to come up with in the time that he was given. Um, it's, it's nuts. But yeah, rest in peace to Pelé. It's sad, but again, like it was a life well lived. And last, last, last thing. His mother's still alive. Oh, wow. She's 100 years old, but they said that she doesn't know that her son is dead. Oh, shit. And that makes me sad on one hand, but like kind of sort of relieved in another. Because I've been thinking about her for like, since I found out she was alive still, I was like, man, mm. that has to suck. That's crazy, yeah. Because um, he lost his brother two years ago. Wow. So she would have lost two sons in the space of two years or so. Um, but apparently she doesn't have the the mental faculties to completely comprehend. So they're telling her that, uh, you know, Pele's on a trip and this, these kinds of things. So blessings to the family as always. And um, yeah, yeah, condolences. But uh, yeah, man, one of the greats, greatest of a time instead of all time, just take all out and just put a. Yeah. Like, like, like I, look, I think people just, and that's why even when you just look at the whole thing with Messi now and everything, I think people are desperate. P- people were calling Messi the ghost even before the World Cup. I think people just want to have that, yes, our Gava era is the best and greatest of all time. It is what it is. And I'm like, I'm, you just you, you just can't. You just can't because yeah. you can't compare. As, as we just said, would Messi do what he did in the era where you were pretty much like um, attacked and assaulted if you were a skillful player? We don't know. So if you, you put Messi in that era, would he be able to come up with things that he would like just new skills? I wonder. That's it just so so you, you, you basically all you can say is you are the greatest of this era and then yep. we look move to another era. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, speaking of your goat, he's now in Saudi Arabia. Yes, yes. And also, guys, January 14th is a massive day. Huge top of the table clash. Al-Shabaab against Al-Nasser. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. This might be cut. It depends on your reaction. <laughs> you have to cut that. You've got to cut that. <laughs> You've got to cut that. You, you, you can't do you can, you can, you can, that. You've got to cut that. I was like, what? The... Nah, nah, you, no, you can't leave that in. You can't leave that in. Nah. I won't. You gotta cut I won't, that. Won't, He's normally the villain in the first 12 hours, yeah. But anyway, yes, I'll cut it. But still, yeah. So, so, so what you said, Jan, Jan 4, do you have a hashtag for it? Or, yeah, or hashtag Jan, Jan, Jan 4. So basically, there, there's Jan 14. So, so, wait, so Feb 15 is Arsenal, Say City. Mm-hmm. Jan 14, Al Shabab, Al Nasser. <laughs> okay, look, let's, okay, let's, let's, let's cut to the chase. Hold on, just just uh one, one 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 foundational question. What channel does this come on? Like if I wanted to watch being sport. Here's, here's the thing. Okay, Daniel, here's the thing. Now let, let me just give so, so because I'm I'll answer your question before I answer your question, because this will lead to the answer to your question. 
So before Cristiano joined, Al Nasser had 800,000 followers on Instagram. The last I checked, they were on 7.1 million. And I checked that yesterday. So it could have been increased, but I, so when I checked yesterday, they were on 7.1 million. They are going to find a way for people to access these games. So because it's, just, it's, it's a marketing, it's numbers, it's followers, it's eyeballs. So right now, whether it's being sports whatsoever, there is now a deal being cut right now of, hey, pay us this fee. You can have exclusive access to the Saudi Pro League or access to Al Nasser's games, 100%. So 8.5 million. There we go. There we go. You know what it is? Let me, you know, I'm here for the football. Football and Kim Kardashian are two different beasts. You know, so... Kim Kardashian, popularity, social media, digital prints and all that stuff, it's got nothing to do with the nuts and bolts of football. So with what Cristiano is, let's keep it a stack. You are now a celebrity. This isn't about football anymore. This is about celebrity now. Football is all right, we're going into the UCL right now. We've just had the World Cup. We're now looking at the leagues and so forth. What's going to happen in the next World Cup? Okay, we've got AFCON, Copa America. That is the whole football rudimentary thing. This whole Al Nasser thing is just a guy living off of his popularity. Don't get it twisted. Let's keep it a stack. From how you presented yourself, this is an L. Daniel, here's the thing. <laughs> On the surface... A 38-year-old getting a $200 million pay packet to um, any team, that's a great job. Yeah. That's, that's amazing on the surface. But here's the issue. The issue is we can't ignore the Piers Morgan interview. The issue is that we can't ignore what he said years ago about Qatar and, and, and everything. So when we now look at, on the surface, 38-year-old, 200 mil in Saudi Arabia, wow. You can still do that at 38. Mm. Thumbs up. But when we now peel beneath the surface and we now look at how you presented yourself and how you presented yourself as I'm 37, 38, but I'm still one of the best players in the world, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. And <laughs> let's be real, this was about money because he feels that, okay, Messi now has all the infinity stones. He's won this deal that for me was never a deal, was never a debate, but it is what it is. The only way I can beat him is, hey, I can make more money than you. I have, I, I am the player with the most lucrative transfer in in, in history. And for me, you know, that's sick. <laughs> that's sick because what the hell does that have to do with football? So, Christian, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Are you still a top player who can still go to a top team and and and, and so forth, or are you just about the money? Because let's be keep it a stack. You sold out. You sold out. And here's the thing. That's fine. Just admits you sold out. And it is what it is. Because look, bro, life trumps all. Life mm. trumps all. This is my family, my friends, 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 families, families, communities. We're all set. We are all set. With what I've made, my sponsorships and this deal, financial we're all set. And bro, and that's life. That, that's a life flex. Mm. And life comes before football becomes anything. But just call it what it is. What I don't like is this confusion. Just call it what it is. You did this for the money. Because the reality is, and let's not be it and so forth, nobody views the Saudi Pro League as competitive. It isn't. I'm sorry. Club football, to be competitive, you've got to be in Europe. Because everybody is going to Europe. This is in the 60s where South America was top with Santos and so forth. This is 2023. So guys from Africa, from Asia, from South America, they're all trying to come into Europe because Europe is the melting pot and the pinnacle of what club football is about. It is what it is. To be seen as you're not top, you've got to win the Champions League. That is the, that is the number one prize in club football is the Champions League. It is what mm -hmm. it is. So my thing here is, Cristiano, just be, just, just be honest. Just be honest. That's, this was about money. That's, that's, that's what I ask. Don't I'd... say, oh, well, it was about money. And that's fine. Because <laughs> I, I, I just want to be clear here. Moving for money, fine. Just don't lie to me. <laughs> just say, yeah, I moved for the money. 
cool. You cashed out. It is what it is. Now, uh, he stole my phrase. I was going to say, that's what he did. He cashed out. He cashed out. He, he hit the button. He hit the, whatever the big red button of cash is, he hit it. Piers Morgan interview. Is he, is, looking at the Piers Morgan interview, is this move hypocritical? I or... only saw the highlights of the Piers Morgan interview, but mm-hmm. I saw the one that you're talking about where he was like, he still feels like he can contribute at a high level. Because yeah, he, yeah. thought, he thought what I thought. At the beginning of the season, when he was like, I'm going to stay at Manchester United. Eventually, I'm going to get my way out. I'm going to go to the World Cup. I'm going to play well. Portugal are in a position to win. If I win, or even if I don't and just play well, somebody of repute will come after me. I'm sure he thought maybe Real Madrid will come back. Maybe it could be Bayern. Who knows? Nobody, (laughs) before we even get there, none of the football that I saw him play this season for Manchester United or for Portugal showed me that he was capable of either helping or leading a team to anything of note in a European context, unless this was a Europa League or a Conference League title. I do not think he is capable of carrying a team to a Champions League like he once was. Perhaps he could pop up with a goal in like the 80th minute coming off the bench and I, he'll he'll be able to do that until he's probably 55. Of just like coming on, running, jumping, scoring. I'm sure he'll be able to do that for years. But actually contributing over the course of 90 minutes, I didn't see anything to suggest that was that was possible. I think he probably realized during that World Cup where he was benched that bro, this thing is over. So wherever I go next, it is what it is. And what whichever the biggest offer was, he took it. He's 37 years old. He's going to be 38 next month. Why not? Now, we could have the political argument, if we wanted to, about what are you doing for the Saudi Arabian government in this deal? <laughs> what, what, what are you legitimizing in Saudi Arabia? He called it South Africa, which was an so interesting, interesting slip of the tongue. But, but so, so, because, because you mentioned Saudi Arabia, just remember, have you heard the whole Newcastle thing? That's not real, but it would be interesting. The, the in, I, I looked up Cristiano's contract. Because I was curious, because you said how much money. The Independent is saying it's 160, 170 million pounds a year. So for two years or three years, however much. That's a lot of money. Jesus. But uh, but according to ESPN, there is no Newcastle clause. Um, that would be hilarious. That's, that's not happening. Of, of course, elements of soft power aside, Messi is also in Saudi Arabia doing deals with them. I think they're trying to get the 2030 World Cup, which hasn't mm-hmm. been decided yet. So, of course, there are always those political machinations in the background. But on a footballing level, take where there's the most money. China probably would have been an option before they kind of slowed down whatever football project they were up to. So, yeah, Saudi Arabia are the people with the money. They're the people with, I guess, the interest not necessarily in what he is as a footballer, but who he is as a person. As you mentioned, the Instagram followers, I mean, they're going to hit 10 million by the time this comes out, probably. (laughs) So I don't begrudge you finding money. I've never, ever, ever, ever on this podcast said, don't go for the money. Always go for the money. Your career is a finite entity. You're making money for the next generations of your family. He seems to be creating kids, whether in, in whichever method, (laughs) <laughs> over years like bro what are they doing like in vitro fertilization oh, and all this kinds of IVF, stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah if he's gonna be creating like a bunch of kids and having a bunch of family and all that kind of stuff you're gonna need money like there's gonna be kids and kids of kids and kids of kids of kids so cash out just don't try to tell me that you're the best footballer in the world and you can still contribute to a champions league winning team like i think he the, the most honest he's thing he said was that i've done all i can in europe I think that's a correct yeah. statement. Yeah. At an international level, you won the Euros. In a domestic level, you've won the Champions League five times. You've won a league in every country that you've played in. You did well for Juventus. You did well for Madrid. You did well for Manchester United, at least in the first spell. And even last season, I think he contributed yeah. in, in parts and pieces. Days. But I don't remember if he won anything with sporting, to be fair. But that's maybe irrelevant. Like, that's where you develop, you know, yeah. et cetera. I'm more concerned for my guy Vincent Abubakar because it's just like, okay, so are we going to play 4-4-2? Is he taking my spot? Like, what's hey, happening nah, here? Come on, bro. Because I we're balled out at the World bro. Cup. We're doing 4-4-2, bro. Relax. Oh, like, Cristiano, sorry. Who had a better World Cup? Abubakar. 
Who had a better World Cup? Vincent Abubakar, maybe the best African striker at the World Cup. <laughs> so wait, Daniel, better than um, our friend? What's 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 what, 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 what's his face? And and Nesri? No, who who's the guy that missed the the, the penalty? Who missed the penalty? Ghana, Ghana, Ghana. Oh, Andre Ayew. Yeah, <laughs> shout out Andre Ayew. <laughs> Bro, that Abubakar goal against Serbia does not get enough credit, was, man. That, the that, one that where he real. scooped the ball, yeah. the ball bounced and it hit the. That is such a nuts goal. Uh, anyway, they need to figure that out. But I think that's almost indicative of of kind of w- what football is. You have players like Abubakar or maybe Oscar that go to these that, that could play in Europe at a decent level, and they go to countries where the money is. Hulk obviously went to China. Like I used to have the list in my head. I've forgotten some of the names now. Jackson Martinez from Colombia. You went to like people go for money. It's not some odd thing. Mm. Cristiano doing it. Obviously, he's going to be a different level because he's a different level of personality and celebrity. Like, he's the most followed person on Instagram. He's the third most followed person on Twitter. He's the second most followed. I think he's he's top five on everything. Cool, Nobody Chris. else. Yeah. Like, his popularity is out of this world. So, of course, he's going to demand crazy money. But just... So but just I, 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 for, for his own benefit and for his fans' benefit, I kind of want them to realize... It's over. O- o- over in what sense? Like his his career at the top level is finished. You see, Dan, you see, here's the thing. The rates at which those followers rose for Al-Nasser, Daniel, I'm shocked. Because what I thought was, joining Al-Nasser, <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, he really is done. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you're right. You're going to yeah. follow him to the Saudi Pro League? <laughs> so and so, so my thing though is what's gonna happen when he retires what do you do so you okay. don't just follow him in his acting career his business ventures him appearing in the next james bond as a cameo or something so do you know fg fg is already like cristiano jr is gonna become the next great so they're just gonna go on to his kid it's a nasty no, 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 business bro no 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 you know what it is it's like it's Human beings are very interesting. Are a very interesting species, man. <laughs> They're very like the like. We can almost have like a whole dialogue about the deconstructing the nature of worship and idolizing an entity. We've done know? that. There's an episode called Idolo Worship. Uh-huh. I think we. I, I think no, we. No, did no, no, with, no. We. I think with, we need to Paul. revisit because yeah. this Christiano thing is like it's, this is. It's weird. <laughs> this is this is this is the problem attaching yourself to a player instead of a club. A club, generally, unless it goes through administration, is an eternal property. Yeah, it's or it's a, it's a much stable property. There are clubs that have been there since the 1800s, early 1900s. It will exist. When you attach yourself to a, a human being, we, we are finite individuals. We we go old. We go. We have our peaks, mm. our troughs. In an athletic sense, it's very temporal. Your peak is. Five, six, seven years. Cristiano has blessed you with probably 10 years of, of amazing football. But what goes up must come down, especially yeah. in a sense of like human beings, you know? I mean, we, we just talk about Pele. Like he was the greatest. He had his career. He became a marketing brand. He got older. He passed away. Cristiano's going to go through the same development. But attaching yourself to like, I support Cristiano as if he's a football club and he's going to be there in 2037 or. 3037, 30, like, that's you know unrealistic. See, the Cristiano one is, and this is where it gets interesting. People who are fans of Messi, I think when Messi re- re- retires, they can move on to someone else. But the Cristiano thing, see, Messi, it's purely football. Because all he's giving you is just footballing excellence. That, that's it. Cristiano is giving you football plus an image. Mm. And it's that it is our commission of football and an image of how he looks like, how he presents himself, his family, and so forth, that people attach themselves to, you know. Mm. As in, bro, there are guys who got my thing calling oh Messi, like he's a midget, Pessy, Pessy, midget. Look what is it? I'm like, oh, okay, so so what? So now because Cristiano is better looking, is that now? What? So my thing there is. <laughs> So for so for the Cristiano the fans, beauty contest, yeah, yeah. So for the Cristiano fans, because it's more it's about the man and the image of the man. 
is like, no, this is, no, we follow him everywhere because this is a thing where, and it's almost like a weird kind of obsessive game of like, no, we are loyal. We are fiercely loyal to him and we will follow him everywhere he goes and shows that he's still the, the greatest because of his um, following. And for me, the worst thing that happened to Cristiano was his fan base. The worst thing. Because his fan base gave him delusions of grandeur. Ooh, ah, I don't know if they're delusions because I do think he is great. It just comes with the there, there's an expiry no, 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 date no, 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 no. on he's your great, career. But no, no, but they've made him think that he's greater than he actually is. Because hundred percent, you're great, but based on what you've done, but you don't realize that this is football, and as you mm. said, this is physical and this is athletic, which means that. A 37-year-old can't do what a 25-year-old does. And his fan base has made him think and given him this delusion that me at 37 can still be what I'm at, 26, 27, and keep on going and still be top and and everything. So that is the delusion of like, even if I'm I'm 37, I can still be the best player in the world. It doesn't work like that. This is sports. (laughs) This is sports. You're not competing with a 26, 27, 28-year-old or a 31-year-old. Do you know, I'm slightly sympathetic to him, though, in the sense that he has been in competition with the person whose footballing ability is probably un- unrivaled in the mm. history of the sport. Whether or not the competition is a legitimate one is its own conversation. But we can't deny that he has indeed been put in conversation with Leo Messi. Mm. The attitude and particular character required in order to make that even a debate probably necessitates the idea that you cannot let go. Messi's footballing greatness is largely just an innate thing. Mm. Cristiano's greatness is predicated on his just hard work, diligence, mentality, all of of those passion words that people like to say, that is Cristiano's Mm. career. Giving that up is way more harder. Like it's, it's that Jordan mentality, that Kobe mentality of like, I need to be great. I have to be great. I will be great. And I won't stop that Tom Brady thing that's in his head that like I'm 50, I'm going to ruin my marriage because I need to prove not to you, but to me that I'm the best, that I'm the greatest and I'm not going to stop. You're going to have to kill me in order to get me off this pitch. Like that mentality is what drove him to making that a conversation with what many, with who many consider the best player of all time in Leo Messi. Mm. I you can't just remove that from his that that chip is activated to take from Umar like it's 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 been activated so you can't just go in there and remove it so of course he's gonna think at 38 I'm the best I can still keep going I do think this move to Saudi Arabia is a bit of an admission that maybe you should chill out or reevaluate but as you say if you're gonna have millions of people saying no 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 we're still here you can still do it it's it's possible but when I, but here now here's the thing though. Does a Portuguese manager pick a player from the Saudi Pro League to be part of the Portuguese squad, either for the Euros or the World Cup? This is a good question. Now, if you're a Cameroon manager, you can do that. Yeah. Because the, the, the level of talent, we need to take Abubakar. I don't care if, where he's playing. Portugal have enough bodies to where you don't need to take him. I don't know. I don't know if he has enough muscle within the Portuguese Football Federation. He doesn't seem like somebody who has their hands on the on the reins of power, like he decides things. I feel like he's more of a a soldier than a general in that way. Or generals are soldier. I think he's more of like a private than a general in that way. But who knows? I I don't know what his rank would be. Um, So if he wants to go, maybe? Like if the manager's Mourinho, maybe? I don't know what their relationship is post-Madrid, but... If I was Portugal manager, I wouldn't take him. I would just want a completely different feeling. And just what was is, I would let him play two more games so he could Mm. get his 200 appearances and the all-time leading goal scorer in international football. Don't know when that will be broken. Maybe. Achachi, let's, I mean, let's quickly just dip into... Club football, yeah. The EPL before we're thinking like that. Yeah, we got 10 minutes. What's what's on your mind, man? Ask that. Unless, yeah, there we go. Do you really think Arsenal can win the the league? Yes. Realistically. 
everything they've showed us this as, season, as, as, as the answer is yes. No, not like oh, what's what? They mathematically no, no, no. No, let's now let's let's now talk that that real talk, that real that real down and dirty talk. So you really do you really believe Arsenal can actually win the Premier League ahead of Man City? I actually do. Because I've never really given it real thoughts because I've always said, oh, it's City. They all get it. It's City. But I'm saying, okay, wait a minute. Like, what if this is, they're just good? <laughs> what if they're just like a really good team? And they mm-hmm. just sort of keep this consistency going. And they're basically just sort of like Leicester City where once you just hit that stride, it's sort of like um, when you're running a, a marathon and you just hit that stride and it's just autopilot. You don't, mm-hmm. you just do things without thinking because you just hit it out autopilot. What if they just, they just hit that? Because I'm looking at City and it's like, okay, so City are second, but they have a dude who's on 21 goals. <laughs> you know? So th- I'm just trying to work out that smart of like, okay, a dude on 21 goals, but they're second in the, in the league. Okay. But I'm like, the notion of Arsenal winning this ahead of Man City, I just think it's just mind-boggling. Because of what City have done, what you know that they can do, and the fact that they have one of the craziest goal-scoring freaks I've, I've, I've seen in, in recent times. So, you know. if if you look, because I have the table pulled up mm. here, the goals for Arsenal are 40. The goals for Man City are 44. There isn't that much difference between the goals Arsenal are scoring and City are scoring in terms of volume. Mm. Haaland is a freak. But he's such a large percentage of the pie that, yes, they're scoring he or he's scoring 20 goals in or 21 goals in 16 games. It's an insane record. Mm. But where are the other goals in the team coming from? He's such a large percentage that you could make the argument that the, the rest of the team isn't contributing enough to these goals. He's half of the he's half of the output. Mm. That's a lot on one man's shoulders. Arsenal are close, but those goals are far more spread out, whether it's Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka, what's the name I'm missing, Jesus at the mm. beginning of the season. They're a better team in terms of the the variance of who's scoring a goal. And I think that translates to the points total. When goals come from all areas of the team, that means there's a good feeling and a happiness. Even Partey, or I'm sorry, number five, is, is scoring a bunch of like screamers. He might have three or four goals, two, three, four goals this season. The where they're getting goals from, I think, is indicative of just a larger point about how their team is is functioning at the moment. To can they win the league? They have an eight point lead, with, but City have a game in hand, so let's say it's five. Right? You can hit a sweet spot in the season where you aren't losing, and that can be enough to give you a cushion to just maintain your lead. I think we saw that with Leicester. Mm. Like, and Arsenal feel oddly like Leicester did to me. It's been so long since Arsenal have been legitimate title contenders. I would say like maybe 2008. But either way, it's been over a decade. (laughs) (laughs) So they feel like this this club that can't get it together and they're like a plucky group of just upstarts and all that. It feels like Leicester damn near, which is kind of wild where I never really believed until it became obvious that it's happening. Maybe Arsenal don't have to go through that because it is Arsenal and eventually people will come around. But in the moment, it does feel like we're finding reasons not to make them favorites. Just, oh, it's Arsenal. Oh, they're too young. Arteta doesn't know what he's doing. The squad isn't deep enough. What happens when they get, uh, when they have to play Europa League again? What's going to happen with this? Like, there's so many things that people are coming up with. But I think they hit such a sweet spot at the beginning that they are going to be there at the end. I don't think I can say yes or no because there's still half a season left to go. Um, but I am the most confident I've ever been that they can win the league than I've ever been oh, no, no, since I, maybe I, like the 2000s. It's, no, no, I, I think, and I think even watching the new the Newcastle game as well, I think they're sort of now getting into that stage of where, oh no, maybe we can't really do this, you know. Because that, now that, bro, just, just not, not, not to cut you, but that, is going to be the telling thing. We know when City get into that mode of we can win Must this, win. Yeah. they win. Yeah. Arsenal, this is newfound territory. Once they actually know that it's possible, we can do this, it's there. Do they have the championship mentality to get the points when they need the and, points? And having the pressure. Because, you see, my thing is when you're into those real deep waters of 
league football is where okay, it's now it's this the holiday camp is now gone. Is those more spring games? And those more spring games are out of pressure now. Arsenal don't have those pressurized games yet. So for me, hundred percent, they can win it because the team is good. They're playing well, and I can see chemistry and I can see consistency there. But the real question is, you have to win. You didn't have to win against Newcastle. It'd be good because it's good. You didn't have to win. But when we're not getting so much April, mm. and maybe it's now a two-point gap, a five-point gap, and a, and any draw or loss, boom, City will smell blood. Then that's where things now get different. So my thing is, you cannot rule out Man City. You, mm-hmm. you can't. Because City just not. Oh, no. Because here's the thing, though. If you look at it, the image will look a bit messed up for Pep. So the guy that's fetched your bottle and put out cones for you <laughs> is going to beat you in a league where you have easily outspent him and so forth. That's crazy. It's interesting. So, I haven't thought about that. It's like watching like a title fight and just a, a, a fighter banks a bunch of early rounds. So, you know, you reach round seven and you're like, on my card, I have them. They're, they're like 5-2 up or 5-1 up going into round seven. But then the fighter on the other side is that experienced veteran who, like, once we get this guy into deeper waters and we get into those championship rounds, 10, 11, 12, mm. let's see what he has. And some fighters who have who've banked those early rounds are capable of surviving or finishing. But then there are some fights where you reach that 9, 10, 11, 12, what it took to bank those early rounds then comes to bite them because mm-hmm. they've expended so much or exhausted so much energy. And then the champion does what he does, hurts them, and then knocks them out. <laughs> so it we're, I think it's it's perfectly poised, as they like to say. Yeah. Um, and we'll see if Arsenal have what it takes when, when, when we get to April, March. I don't think the season... Will the season go to June? You know, maybe it's too late, but maybe that's another discussion, man. I mean, why why do you have a World Cup mid-season? Like I told you, I'm not ready to to go back. Like I need two weeks just to wind down yeah. from the World Cup that we just had. It's like who's wise that they was to have a World Cup mid-season? Why? Do you know what it is? It's this feels useless in a different way. Like when. <laughs> Like when Chelsea scored the first goal against recently. The against Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest. That's that's the game. Some team in red. They all kind of converged mm-hmm. in my mind. So Sterling scored first. He didn't even really celebrate. Like mm-hmm. the crowd was there and he looked at them and he kind of like gave them a, the, the fist or whatever. But it's just like, did, does he even care? Because I was just watching World Cup football where every goal that went in, like the whole bench was running to the field. It's just like, mm-hmm. bro, it's, it's the first half well, and you're down 3-1. It's yeah, and I mean, then like, it's, it's different. And, and then Nottingham Forest equalized, and they seemed happy, but not in the way that like the underdog should. If I'm going by what I just witnessed at the World Cup, where underdogs, it's like the club game and the international game are like it's the same sport, but it's not the same sport. No, no, no. And but, and, but, and and going from one quickly to the next, it's, it's just crazy. like bro, it this feels work. empty it in a different way. Work. No, but you see, the only thing that works is now when we now get into the Champions League. Mm. Because I think, let's be real, club football, it's really for the fans. Your, your, your club and so forth. Club football is you're your punching in a clock. Because it's, it's a key way you said. It's work. Yeah. When you look at the World Cup, every time you, you score, everybody runs to the bench. Because, because, see, World Cup, that's cultural now. It's about what we're doing this for, where we grew up, our families, how we identify ourselves. So, so it's obviously means when because this is about us. It's about our, our cultural identity. That club, you're punching in a clock. <laughs> you're punching in a clock. It's your job. See, Champions League is a mixture of punching in your clock, but this is the Champions League. And there is a certain magic to it. Yeah, so the floodlights and the nighttime and the anthems. And there's, yeah, it's, so there's, there's, it seems yeah. much more special. Club football is... Basically, club football is about the bloody complicated show and just in uh, trying try, try to get mounts and so forth out, out of the damn club. <laughs> so basically, it's basically I told you, we're now we're now back to that crap. Basically, Walker was fun, cool, lovely, to now like racism, back and forth, civil war, all that crap with with this club football. Did you see what happened with Vinny? Oh, oh, what up, what up? Oh shit! 
he was taken off the pitch some some game in mm. Spain and they were like calling him mono and doing the ooh ooh oohs and all that kind of stuff like it's just like I don't want to look, look, I, like, I, I don't like it here man it's just like ugh. if I didn't like football I wouldn't like football I hope that makes sense oh no 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 you know what I was said I love football like football that is in my blood I love 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 football I despise the stuff around for football. Ugh. Which is why people say, Man, like, you're in London, like, why don't you go to, to games? I don't like going to games. <laughs> because for me, I, I don't say, I love football, the actual sports. I love playing football, mm. talking about football, thinking about football and everything. But if I now have to now watch it with fans who swear, throw Drink. abuse, Ugh. are drunk, misbehave, <sighs> just shout for the, for the sake of shouting, I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> it's like, why do I have to watch this with a drunken guy just shouting, <laughs> just going? No, I don't want to be here. <laughs> do you know? Do, do you know? You've always said that the best place to watch football in a crowd is like with Nigerian fans. I want to experience Man. that. Just Ooh. like, just what that feels like. Not, it not, is, trust not, me, it's amazing. Not necessarily Nigerian, but just like just the African vibe of like, and but it's again, but that's that international vibe. Like, it's of course it's going to be fun it's, as it's, it is. It's different because it's now, see, with international, it's the way you do it. It's cultural and everything. Club football, there is something, there is a very toxic kind of aspect to the fanship in club football that people get off of. Hence why the result of racism because it's sort of like, for this 90 minutes, I can just beat this toxic venomous kind of you know um negative kind of thing just for the nice bit so it's it's a very weird you know where, where i'm like okay no thanks we can link we can end the podcast here because i feel like i can link it all together like mm. that club element that we witness i guess just once club football starts back is that same thing i was talking about when we were talking about how ronaldo fans perceive him almost as his own club and how they follow him and then when you look at the international football and what that means to people, it explains so much about, especially once television arrives, why Pele is who he is and why his legend will continue decades, centuries, however long people care about this sport. Like just the, the differences between each and the psychology in each are just quite oh, yeah. interesting. How do you mean? How do you mean? How people connect to clubs mm. and then players, I oh, feel yeah, like yeah. Is, is very similar in that way. And I think Ronaldo is like, it's like it's Ronaldo FC, Messi FC, Neymar FC, you're in Hazard FC. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I find that just fascinating how, and I think it's just a human trait. Because I, I was like, I've always been an individual who I've never really been part of the consensus. So I'm like, I love football, but like football just, okay, yeah, Hazard, he's my guy. But then Hazard retired, boom, I moved. And then who's the next guy? So how people are like, I am fiercely loyal to this guy no matter what that makes no sense the whole point of being fiercely loyal to someone makes no sense and i know every guy can be praised and insulted and abused bro ronaldo has always been my guy i said why did he turn up overweight in 06 and, and lose me five pounds <laughs> in the 06 world cup so yeah speaking of the next guy did you see mbappe was that like the the nets game yeah, with um, Hakimi, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they put him on the big street. They showed his goal, like the, the equalizer in the yeah. final, the 2-2. And like then they showed him, like he was at the game. And like even in Brooklyn, they kind of went nuts. Like, ah, oh, like what? Oh, I'm Dude. sorry. M- Mbappe's there. So Mbappe's growing, man. Like his his his, his legend is it's, it's international. Like Ke- Kevin Durant was like clapping yeah, for yeah, him. I see you, Killian. I see you. No, no. And my thing about... <laughs> Okay, okay, maybe I'll save some of it for the extra, but it's like, <laughs> that is why I say, look, let me see, Messi is the straight A student. Every box is ticked, tick, tick, tick. Every um, T is crossed, every I is, is dotted. But he's missing a personality. And why did we like Ali? Okay, he was an, he was an amazing boxer. He reinvented how heavyweights would fight, I with no the defense, but it's how his character was out of the ring. Why do we gravitate towards Jordan? It's because of how arrogant he was and his bravadoness out of the court. And why did people gravitate towards Maradona? It's because he was like he was like a guy and his personality and his character. I think with Mbappe, let's see what his career does. But Mbappe has that kind of superstar thing about him. And also he's aware of it. Hence mm-hmm. why he says he's actually taking English lessons. 
Yeah, because I think he 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 went into the locker room after the game mm. and was like, "Congratulations! It was really fun to watch. Good luck for the season." Like, and Pele also did this as well. Just like, everything in my mind goes back to him. But like, yeah. he didn't need to learn English, but he did. He was in movies. The yeah. the, the the film oh, yeah. Escape uh, to Victory. Escape to Victory with Stallone. Played for New York Cosmos. Like, he didn't need. He didn't mm. have to learn English, but he did. And I think that helped his legend and it helped grow the game. No, no, because States, it just it helps to globalize you and really connect mm. you to the world and everything. Like, I don't think I've ever heard Messi speak English. No, never, never. Like, no, no, but, see, but and, and that's why for, for for me it's like that is why and that's why when you look at that World Cup final, hundred percent Adesina won it and Messi did his, his thing. But people can't like what's on like that goal that Mbappe scored. That's historic. <laughs> like everybody know, you know where you were and how you reacted when he scored that goal. And I think that his legend has even grown. Hence why guys are like, okay, what does this guy now do for his career now? Like, what else does this guy now do? Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. It's, again, linking it back to Pele though. Yeah. he's on. He's he's on that path, bro. And, and Bobby, he just needs one more because he ha- he has his fifty eight. Yeah, he has yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. teenage he victory. He just, just he just needs, he needs one, one, one more. more. He needs one more, and then it will be well. Pele, he had two. We had three, but really it's two. So it's really but anyway, so yeah, Mbappe is that next guy, but we can get out of here on that one. So Half Hope, where can people catch you? Um, either on the streets or halfhopefootballhot.com. Indeed. I'm at Daniel to look. Check out the off-target sub stack. Link will be in the description. So yeah, talking tactics podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. Thank you guys for listening. Peace, peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.